0: Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles podcast. The podcast for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans.
1: Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. We have got an exciting show for y'all today. Um, First, let me bring on that co-host of mine, Mr. Lane Brady. What's up, Lane?
2: Chuck, it is finally Tuesday and we get to record with one of our favorite people on the planet.
1: Our heroes, for sure, man. I am fired up. No doubt. Well, why don't you introduce our guest and we'll jump right into it, man.
2: Guys, we are bringing in the skipper of the Golden Eagles, Scott Berry. Welcome to the uh, show, Coach.
3: Oh, thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on.
1: Thank you. Thanks for coming on, Coach. Well, hey, we're going to jump right into questions. um, If that's all right with you, you cool with that? We're
3: ready. Go ahead. All right.
1: Well, I'm going to start off with an easy one, and this one comes from Ms. Madison Morgan, and she said, what's a girl got to do to get an angry orchard sold at the Pete? <laughs> <laughs> I, well,
3: I don't know. I guess I have to talk to uh, Airmark and, and uh, administration. I'm I'm out in the concessions business. That, that's it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, but, yeah, it does sound like it would uh, certainly uh, – make the event a lot better if we did get some
1: of that in there Mm -hmm. and that's all madison's questions lane if you want to go jump in yours all
2: right good deal well coach berry i uh i got a few questions from some people the first one that i had a question from this one actually came from dr valentine he is uh He's a former teacher of mine. I see him at the Pete every single home game. And he asked, uh, well, first off, he says he can't wait for the season to start. And he asked, do we foresee any facility upgrades in the near future?
3: You know, I think we will in the future, not before the season starts, obviously. Uh, just not enough time for it. And uh, But, no, there has been uh, an architect on campus last summer that really is doing some renderings of all the facilities. That includes something, I think, with a master plan within the next five years. I, you know, I really believe that you'll see some enhancements here, particularly with some seating enhancements uh, in the next couple of years at Pete Taylor Park. It helps a little bit to sell out the Pete for
2: that, too, doesn't it?
3: Well, it does. You know, of course, we uh, we knew we had momentum coming off from last year and the super regional appearance and, and host here at the Pete, but honestly did not uh, anticipate the uh, – the 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 rush for tickets this year and the demand for them uh, you know I mean, of course we've continued to break the records on season ticket sales each of the last three years and uh, this year I think we've exceeded what we uh, we have the capacity for
2: right and that's all it's a good problem to have for sure
3: it is a good problem to have it certainly is when you have the demand for tickets then that gets people moving and uh, and and gets them buying them early
2: right. Well, thank you for that question, Dr. Valentine. Chuck, I'm going to kick it to you.
1: All right. Well, I think you know this next guy, uh, Mr. John Cockrell. He's got three questions. So the first one is, um, Is our first season in the Sun Belt. Conference USA has kind of always been known as a baseball conference, especially the last few years, but it kind of feels like we're walking back into the lines den a little bit. Sun Belt isn't going to be easy, but the but, to be the best, you have to play the best. What are you most excited about going into this conference?
3: Well, I think it's just meeting some people that I've never had the chance to meet before in in my career and you know I've been doing it a long time, and a lot of times you're when you're in the same conference, that's about the only people that you see outside of some non conference people that come in early in the year but you know, there's some venues that, that I haven't been at. You know, this year we'll visit Coastal Carolina. We'll go to Texas State over in San Marcos. You know, I've never been to either one of those. Uh, was able to meet those two coaches at our head coaches meeting in New Orleans back in August. Seemed like super, super gentlemen and, and people that I'm, you know, excited about meeting more. But. Definitely Sunbelt is, uh, is I feel like, is going to be a top five RPI league mm-hmm. with the addition of ourselves, Old Dominion, James Madison. And, you know, I think in the future, uh, Marshall's going to get much, much better. They're in the process right now of building a $22 million stadium. They've played all these years in Conference USA without a home field. So it was about time for them to step up, make a commitment to baseball, and I'm glad to see that they did.
1: Absolutely, man, for sure. and I'm, I'm excited about those games as well. Um, his next question is, I've heard you talk about how important team chemistry is. We all know you don't believe fighting belongs on the baseball field, but were you just a little proud of Danny Lynch tonight? Uh, he got fired up against ULL.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, Danny's one of our captains. Um, certainly was last year, and, and is again this year. And he's just one of those guys. He's a winner, and uh, and and he he brings the best out of people because that's what he, you know, he 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 expects from his teammates. And you know, he got caught up in the moment last year. Or was I don't know. Was that last year? He, I think, I think it, was it was two years. ago. ago. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah, two years ago. Because. Uh, they knew his name last year when we went to Lafayette. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it definitely was. It definitely was two years ago that, that he uh, he was able to to do a little bat flip for him. So, but you know, uh, yeah, team chemistry is the most important variable I think in the success of the season. And last year uh, was the uh, was the one time in my career that we seemed to have that chemistry very very early. A lot of times uh, it takes people understanding their role, accepting their role, uh, to be able to, to really achieve that chemistry. And uh, you know, we always talk about Omaha. And one thing that you're going to know about uh, those teams, the eight teams that go to Omaha, they've all figured out their role and they all have that chemistry that we're mm-hmm. looking for.
1: Also awesome. And John's last question is, um, well, I guess it's more of a, a statement um, that he wanted me to read to you. He said, about two years ago, one of my church members came up to me and said, why is your picture with Coach Barry hanging on my girlfriend's wall? He said he was talking about one of the many times you responded when asked to come. Um, to a need when asked. You have, the, you have been a true ambassador to Southern Miss and this community surrounding the campus. You attribute the success to building on those who, want, who went on before you. We advocate, I'm trying to read his lighting, hold on, uh, it's wise enough to continue with their success and leadership and a strong future you have shown. Thank you, Coach Berry. What would you say is one of the key factors in retaining players keep, and keeping them from entering the portal?
3: Well, certainly there's a lot of variables with that. Playing time seems to be the biggest issue with, with kids today. And and a lot of times the, the transfer portal is based on what the outlook is for them the next year. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about the transfer portal. But, you know, the, the ability to to be able to create and develop that 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 individual that enjoys the program, embraces and invests his time and everything with it uh, into making this program special. And, you know, all over the country there's, there's kids that are leaving programs for various reasons. But, you know, when you're playing a season and you're going from August to hopefully the end of June, you're hoping that everybody's on the same page and they're pulling in the same direction. And you know, with that being said, then you know, hopefully, you'll retain retain a good many of what's what you've set out for.
2: Some great questions right there, and uh, I think we all kind of echo his sentiment there on his statement there. His kind statements to you there, uh, Coach Barry, and and we got I got a question here from a buddy of mine, big baseball fan Joseph Clearman. He asked, uh, "What lefty arms?" Do you think we'll see this year because Storm Is only real true lefty We have coming back with experience
3: Yeah Storm is Uh, We're talking about Justin Storm Really came on for us Nicely last year of course he's the, the game uh, against LSU on that Sunday night when we had to, to force a game uh, the next day, you know, I mean, he, he stepped up really big for us. But Storm will be a big piece coming out of the bullpen. We've added Tyler Martin. He's a, a transfer from uh, Nebraska that will be there. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody knows Chandler best. Had uh, had Tommy John surgery back in the fall, so he's not available this year. So we'll we'll certainly miss him. We'll miss his leadership, just the ability to be a great teammate as he's been since he started here. You know, Cross Sevely, a local product, lefty from Summerall, has really impressed us this spring camp. Uh, you know, I think that he's really starting to come along. Uh, his pitchability looks good. Uh, he's a very interesting piece that I feel like is going to see some appearances out there for us uh, when we get going. A couple other guys that, that we're working, Jake Cook, he's a true freshman uh, from from Madison Central, and then Jackson Parker, true freshman from Stringer. So both those guys uh, have been throwing some bullpens, and we're excited about seeing their time on the mound here as we try to make some decisions as we, we get ready to start the season. That's that feels like more lefty options than
2: we've had in the recent years. Is that is that true or do you no, feel like no, you got I a think few it more? Is true.
3: No, we do. You know, I think what we have what we have is is we've got really young unproven ones. So that's where I'm giving you the numbers, but I don't know if it's going to equate to guys that are ready to really run out there and go yet. Right. Uh, so those are things that we're going to have to really decide there, but we do have the numbers. It's just a matter of of are they going to be ready to go out and help us win
2: Absolutely Good deal. Well, good question there, Joseph Chuck. Who you got next?
1: All right. Next up, I got two questions from Mr. David Grayson, who's a chaplain with us. He works uh he's a uh, John's counterpart where I work. Um he said uh shout out to Rod Montenegro for catching 20 something games while Blake was hurt last year. How close were you to penciling Sargent behind the plate?
3: Well, if we'd have lost Rodrigo, you know, during those 20-game stretch, then Sarge was going to have to be activated behind there. And then I have no idea what we would have done from there. We did catch Sarge some uh, his first year here in the fall because, you know, he did split some time at his junior college doing that. And then I was told that he doesn't hit very well when he catches, so kind of, a you know, abandoned that idea and said, well, we need him to hit. Let's keep him at first. But, you know, when Blake went down the fifth game of the year last year and stayed out the next 20, you know, maybe the MVP for last year was Rodrigo Montenegro. Being able to step in and catch every one of those games, stay injury free, or at least stay uh, healthy enough to go out there and grind it out. Because I know that is a tough position. It's a position that I played, and it's a grind, and it can wear on you. So, but, you know, tip of the hat to, to Rodrigo being able to, to keep, us, keep us moving forward until we were able to get Blake back at that Charlotte series.
1: Absolutely. And a second question is kind of a, a follow-up question, and this, I thought this was a, a, good, a good point. Uh, the injury bug seemed to hit the team last year with Blake being out, Reese being out, Gabe being out at times. I think even Wilkes or Peto missed some games. Um, but you had some players playing in different spots that they normally don't play. Um, Not to jinx anything, but it seems like you've solved that problem big time with three or four catchers on the roster and a whole slew of outfielders who can all produce. He says, I wouldn't want to be you, but how would you decide who gets to start? I mean, playing Tate over Reese or Reese over Tate, it's like steak versus shrimp. You can't go wrong.
3: Yeah, well, you know, of course, we'll we'll probably play some matchup left on right, right on left, uh, particularly with the two that you just mentioned, with Ewing and and Parker, Tate Parker. With that, everybody else has been pretty solid in in their uh, fall camp and preseason camp of what of what we're probably going to go with. Uh, but you know, we do have some options. Last year, we were athletic enough that we were able to move some guys around. And we still have those options this year if for some reason, and knock on wood, uh, that the injuries don't hit us. But if they do, you know, we do have some options that we can move them around.
2: Good deal. And, you know, speaking of catchers here, I had some questions come in from uh, from Brian Long. He had a question that really – he had a couple questions here, two questions. The first one was about the catching situation. Uh, he asked, with Johnson and Montenegro returning and new transfers coming in, what's the catching situation like this year?
3: Well, I mean, Blake Johnson, uh, you know, he's, he's our number one catcher. I mean, that's, he's caught well on the fall, caught well this spring. He, he receives well, blocks well, throws well. His hitting's really come on. He had a really good regional tournament in Oxford in 21. Last year, you could tell he was really starting to come on. As we, as we finish the year. Uh, you know, he's an older guy. He's, he's seasoned. He's been around uh, quite a while at all levels. Started out at Tulane, then with the Jones, and then came to us. But, you know, he's, he's a young man that, that uh, our pitchers have a lot of confidence in, throwing to. You know, he's, he's very, very comfortable back there. He gives that presence of leadership and, and what you're looking for. Certainly, uh, you know, we won't be able to catch him every game. Rodrigo has done an outstanding job. Back there as well, we've got a couple other kids that Graham Crawford that transferred in from uh, Alabama who was at Summerall High School and then Pearl River Community College and then Tucker Stockman, who is a high school kid from up in North Alabama. Good
2: deal a lot of options back there so it's good to have right there and uh the next question he asked was with more speed on the base pass in Etzel which by the way our fan base, if any of our previous shows have been an indication the the hype for Etzel with our fan base, we're pretty fired up to see him play, right, Chuck?
1: One hundred percent for sure. Yeah.
2: Well, Brian ask a question here. With more speed on the base pass with Etzel and Parker as well as, as some more pop in the lineup. Do you think this year's run production will look different from last year's?
3: Well, I hope, you know, every year your run production continues to increase. Uh you know, and I, I feel like it probably should. I mean, we we're returning so many guys that were big players for us and experienced a lot of a lot of big wins for us last year in, in that season. So, you know, I would be disappointed if if not, but you know, the addition to Etzel and center field, you know, I think our fans are gonna really like him. He makes it look really easy on defense, offensively, you know, right now I'll have him penciled in the leadoff spot. Big, strong, left-handed kid, quick out of the box, has great pitch awareness at the plate, doesn't swing at pitches much out of the zone. And when he does, he has a tendency to extend those at-bats and foul them off. But, you know, he's a guy that definitely gives you some speed on the bases. I don't know how outside of him, you know, I just don't see that we have just a bunch of base stealers. I guess that's one thing in in my tenure here that people could probably – we'll be able to look back and say, well, they never did steal a whole lot of bases, but, you know, with that being said, there's more ways to win games and steal a basis as well.
1: I don't know. D- Danny Lynch looked pretty fast last season, Coach.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. You must have had the uh, the, the fast forward. Fast that, forward. Him.
2: <laughs> that big run against LSU, I think he topped out. <laughs> we saw what he had to take on that one for sure. Right, But, uh. Yeah, also with so it's worth noting he has a fantastic beard that I think our fan base can get behind, right?
3: He, Yeah, he does have a great beard. He's one of those that can shave it today and grow it tomorrow. Right. I think, so.
2: <laughs> well, that's all the ones, Brian, sit in. Thank you, Brian. Chuck, who's your next guest, next listener that sent in some questions?
1: All right. These come from Mr. Dakota Evans. And, and I want to I preface this first question with a little story real quick. Um, so a couple of years ago, we had this kid. He was at a pretty decent closure named Nick Sandlin. Um, and I remember when I got the text message, and I've told this story on the podcast before, when I got this text message that Nick Sandlin was going to start Friday night against Mississippi State after being our closure the year before, I was like, "Does Oz even know what he's doing at baseball?" I'm like, "Does he know?" So, <laughs> I've never questioned Oz or you since. So, um, but his question is, "You're only as good as those that surround you." How hands off are you with Oz and Creel?
3: Oh uh, well, you know, I let them work. I mean, that's the way I was. I tra- uh, was uh, taught to to coach, and that was by Coach Palmer. I mean, I've never been around uh, a guy who just lets you do your job you know obviously if there's something that needs to be said and or an opinion being been given then he would do it and i'll do it too but you know i, I hire my guys to do a job and expect them to do the job and stay out of their way and you know there's times where they may come to me and ask me something uh with it but you know i take great pride in letting those guys do do what they're supposed to do and um, you know i'm not a micromanager don't like it yeah and, you know i don't think that's how you learn you You try to develop players. You try to develop coaches. You know, their careers, they all want to be in this seat one day that I am sitting in. And the only way they can do that is they have to be able to have that long leash and let them them coach.
1: Well, you are definitely doing a great job at both of those. Um, Now, these next two are are opinion-based, and I don't even know if you want to answer them, but I'm going to ask them. Um, His next question from Dakota says, who do you think will hit the most home runs this year?
3: Well... I mean probably Sarge, yeah. I would think. Um, you know, I mean he's that's what he's done the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, I look for him. He's to continue to get better at the plate, cut his strikeouts out, you know, and, and hopefully not chase the pitches out of the zone and, and, and be able to uh to, to get his pitch and hit it. And I think that's what we'll see out of him. So Yeah, I mean, I think Sarge will be that guy.
1: No doubt. Uh, No doubt. Um, And his last question is, and uh, again, this is opinion-based, what offensive player are you most excited about watching this season?
3: You know, I really think Edsel. I I, I like the way that he had his fall camp and how he's had spring. You know, he just brings a, a different dimension out of that spot that we haven't had uh, you know like I said he's, he makes it look really easy in the outfield uh, you know I, I th- he may go down as one of the best center fielders that's ever played here in all honesty so tough kid that works hard and comes out and, and enjoys game of baseball I, I would not put it past us right now if the lights aren't on at Pete Taylor Park and he's out there
1: hitting wow. That's
3: every night yeah. after we finish practice so that's awesome Pete he would be my guy,
2: I think. That's always good to hear, too. You love hearing that side of a of a guy you like to follow. You love hearing the hard work that he's putting into it. It just makes it a little bit easier to cheer for the guy, you know. That's always fun. Well, I've got a question here since we're on the topic of players here. Josh Santamore sent in one, and he asked, uh, who do you think will be a player that will come in under the radar but will contribute a ton over the season?
3: You know, uh, you know, I think we're probably going to see that more on the pitching side than than we will on the position player side because I think the majority of the position players are the same names that y'all saw last year, and and have a good feel for them. But I think you know we're gonna we're gonna have some guys really step up uh, on the mound for us. A name uh, that that we didn't see much of last year, um, Nico Maza. You know, he's we're we're really grooming him to to be a starter for us this year. Uh, he's got tremendous pitch ability. You know, he's a mid nineties fastball guy. Really good breaking balls. Really developing a nice changeup. You know, where last year he only had uh, what five and a third innings pitched. He was just honestly he was just jammed because of all the depth that we had. We just couldn't get him out there more than that. But. He's been looking really good for us this year. Uh, you know, he'll be one of our starters. I'm not sure what what day we'll we'll go with him yet. We'll announce that next week. But uh, but then I think you also are going to see a kid, young freshman named J.B. Middleton, who has been really really exciting. Mid 90s guy, 95, 96, good breaking ball seems to have that that presence that you want uh you know uh, out of a young age and he seems to be much older than what he appears but he's from Yazzie City went to Benton academy and has got a uh, got a chance to be really good for us
2: yeah we've heard the middleton name a couple of times just from people at at Think people went and saw scrimmages and stuff like that, and com- and commented on how good he looked right there. So we're you you pretty high on him right now, huh?
3: He's, he he doesn't look like yeah. a true
2: freshman, huh?
3: No, he really doesn't. No, he and he's gonna really uh, he's gonna give us some appearances out of that bullpen. You know, there was another lefty that I did not mention to add to that list, and and I can't really believe I forgot about him. But he was a kid. We, we we signed him really kind of more as an outfielder with the chance to pitch from the left side. But he's a kid from normal Illinois um, and uh, outside of Chicago, a kid named Chase Adams, and really throws a legit cutter. Yeah, if you remember Mariano Rivera from the right side and how he would throw that cutter, right. throw that cutter, throw that cutter. Well, this is the same situation, obviously not as good a cutter as Mariano. but the same result at this level, uh, Chase Adams from the left side. And he has been really, really good. So he's going to have a lot of appearances for us coming out of the bullpen there from the left side on the mound. So you
2: see Middleton and Adams more so feeling some of that bullpen depth we've got to yes. refill after last season. Which, yes, that's a, it's a sure. good problem to have that MLB teams are drafting your guys. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's – Tough to feel it. We got a listener who has a question about how hard it was to feel it, which we'll get to that in just a second. But it's it's a good problem to have for sure. It's got to be encouraging as, as their coach to see that.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, of course, we can probably uh, – I'm, I'm probably roll right into that question that you were fixing right. to ask and, and trying to recover from a draft that that – Took you know five guys uh, that could have all come back, and uh, you know then we had a couple of guys that got in the portal that also could have come back. But you know the problem with the draft now, guys, is is that it's so late. It used to be early June, and you had time to recover from it. Um, and this is this is before the portal ever jumped in. But now you've got the portal from the first part of June to the end of third week of July, which is one month from when we start school so it's virtually it's it's virtually impossible to really recover and and find anything that uh was as quality as you lost now um, I'm not saying it's not impossible but it's it's very hard, especially at that time
2: well those were all the questions that uh Josh Santamore sent in. We appreciate it Josh and uh j c Cook actually asked the one about how difficult it is to rebuild the bullpen. We'll get to his, some more of his questions here in just a second. Chuck, what listener do you have questions from next?
1: Well, this uh, next one is from Mr. Tim Shanks, and he asked, um, Jake Mangum from State once said playing at the Pete is like playing at the zoo. There's some animals in the stand. How important or how much do you and the team enjoy fan interaction?
3: Oh, I, you know, I think that's what all college athletics is all about. You know, I mean, that's that brings that atmosphere and, and excitement that every kid dreams of playing in front of. And where I had never heard Mangum say that before, but I could I could kind of see what uh, see what he's talking about. But you know, it's that way when we go on the road too. You know, I mean, there's animals in those stands on the road. Uh, maybe not at some of the venues uh, that, that we visit. You know annually, but you know the big venues, the people that take baseball serious. Certainly, there's a love and a passion for for their team and their sport. But you know when it's all said and done, uh, everybody's good and, and they've they've had a good time. And and uh, yeah, I think that's what makes it special, especially here at Pete Taylor Park and those that come from from the outside that had never been here, they always walk away saying this is one of the best experiences that they've mm-hmm. ever had.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I even think Lane told me that. I would never heard that about Jank Mangum either, but I think, Lane, didn't you tell me that
3: story too? Well, Brent Rooker said
2: it in a podcast one time too. I heard him maybe say it. Maybe it was Brent
1: it. Rooker. Yeah, maybe it was Brent so
2: I, I legitimately – I was listening to that podcast and heard him whenever he said it. He said – they asked him, what's the place you hate playing the most? And he said, Pete Taylor Park in Hattiesburg. And he said, that place – He's like, I don't know, man. You just have to play there to understand that those people are crazy. It's a zoo. That was what he said. So,
1: Well, that's all of Tim's questions.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to jump into J.C. Cook's questions then since we already hit some of them. Uh, Chris Cook, big-time fan of the Golden Eagles here, and he he asked, obviously, how difficult was it to rebuild the bullpen after the draft, which you've already touched on, I guess – I kind of want to reword it a little bit and ask did we did we fill it more so by bringing in high school kids or did we fill it more so by the transfer portal or what was what was kind of the angle you chose to to take there to rebuild that
3: No, it was more towards the transfer portal. It was trying to get more experienced kids than than the high school kid. Uh since that's what we we virtually lost uh, was all experienced players. So we had to try to replace those with those that had been around the game, uh, you know, at this level, at the Division One level. And, you know, some of those names, like I alluded to, Tyler Martin from Nebraska, uh, which kind of funny. I mean, Tyler just grew up. He grew up in Webb City, Missouri, which is only about 25 25- – minutes from where I grew up and so obviously we didn't know each other and I'm much older than, <laughs> than him but we're from very familiar with the area having grown up in southwest Missouri but we were able to get uh you know get uh, Tyler and then uh of course we we pulled Luke Trahan from Dallas Baptist uh you also had uh, Billy Odom was a, uh, a kid from eastern Connecticut that we brought in uh we have um uh, Chandler Dawson, which is Nikki Dawson's younger brother, we uh, we pulled him out of the portal from Georgia State, so we were able to uh, to basically go with a little bit older guy to uh, try to replace what we lost. Good,
2: good deal. That makes sense the way you approached it. So uh, the next thing he asked is he wants to know the difference in preparation for playing on turf or grass. He said I know a lot of teams have gone to turf now. But do you guys practice on grass some to help prepare for the hops that that you'll see on a grass field versus turf?
3: No, well, honestly, we don't even talk about it. I mean, there's the only difference that you might talk about, and we play on it is is the sliding on the synthetic grass, especially if it's wet. You know, you have to start your slide a little bit sooner uh, and calculate so you don't overslide, but. No, we never even talk about it. I mean, I don't look uh, when we play somebody, whether they have uh, natural grass or if they've got synthetic. Um, that's that's not even something that we even even consider in preparation for, honestly. You know,
2: our turf, you know, you you were pretty instrumental in getting that put in. That was something you were pretty adamant that needed to happen here. Have you seen a major benefit for the program since it's been put in?
3: Oh, 100%. You know, when when you don't have an indoor facility or you don't have a football program that has an indoor facility that you can piggyback off from, uh, you know, you're you lose the day. And, you know, that's one thing that we never get back is is time and a day. And you only have so many of those. So, you know, the ability for just like today, we had some rain, but when it stopped raining, we just picked it right back up and continued on. There was no putting a tarp out, taking the tarp off. There was not a soggy field. So the development and the delay in our development is really never, uh, never hampered by, by climate weather. So um, that, was, uh, that was a game changer for our program, in my opinion, for sure.
2: Awesome. Awesome. And it's good to have people to back you enough to, to get that and, and trust you at your word that this is, it might be expensive, but this is what's needed. So that's a good deal.
3: Well, you know, there's so there's still some people that think it's natural grass. It look, It's, <laughs> they, they look it's at pretty it, nice. They look at it, and, uh, you know, they've told me they're like, I saw your film. Oh, it's beautiful. And when I tell them, you know, something mentioned about synthetic, they're like, that's not real. And I'm like, no, it's not real. So, but, uh, yeah, but I'll tell you what, it looks game ready, 365 days a year. So when you, especially in the summertime, when you have from a recruiting standpoint and you've got, these, these players and their families that are coming through Hattiesburg, and certainly our program has made a name for itself nationally. You know, they want to stop by and see what Southern Misses baseball facility looks like. And they look down there from the roost gate, and they see that beautiful field that's all patterned, and it looks just like a spring day on a natural grass field. Certainly, that's what they take away on that on that stop. In, in Hattiesburg in the summertime, and that's what they'll always remember. So it certainly helps you with, with recruiting, not to mention the tournaments that we have and the ability to get people on our field playing. Uh, that's like an official visit that doesn't cost you anything. Right. Absolutely.
2: And uh, the next question he asked, I know you mentioned you mentioned you're, you don't like to steal a whole bunch. Uh, Chris Cook asked, having a base stealer like Etzel coming in, do you plan to try to play some more small ball games, or how do you plan on
3: using his never, unique skill set? I, I never said I didn't like the steal.
2: <laughs> That's true. That's a misquote. <laughs>
3: That's, it's. I never said that. I, I do like to steal. I just don't like to get thrown out. That <laughs> That's that right you steal. gotta have so, stealers to steal you know, if, I got you. <laughs> So if you don't if you don't have the speed, it's hard to do that. But you know Etzel does give us an opportunity to do that. Now as far as the small ball goes, you know small ball I think is centered around speed in all honesty. and I know what Chris is asking there, you know, I think it there's a time and place for everything. Uh, i'm certainly not a west coast guy that that plays that small ball and and uh all the things that they do on the west coast you know we're kind of we're kind of in the south we we like the front porch and we like to dip and rip and, <laughs> and, and run that ball out That's of right. Park. so you know he could have the possibility of, of being able to steal some bases some of my platoon guys are my better base runners they're not necessarily the guys that that are out there playing every day but you know, like Pato, Pato could steal a few bags if, if you know, if we need to. I think, uh, you know, Dickerson, he's got enough moxie about him that that he should be able to to steal a few. But you know, to have guys that are double digit steals, you know, I don't, I don't foresee that out of, out of very many. Right,
2: right. But the possibility the possibility to be able to do so, you know, it's pretty exciting there. Just a just to know you've got it there if you need it. So. Right. Uh, And then his last question, Chris's last question was I'd like to know his opinion on the NIL and the transfer portal. And I'm kind of curious on this too, because I feel like we, you know, I feel like the, the elephant in the room, the one who, the big one who left, we, you know, the whole fan base is mad at. And then all of a sudden we pull in guys like Lacey. And you mentioned several of these other guys we pulled in. And, you know, it's kind of a, when it helps, it's awesome. When it hurts, it's, it's infuriating. So I'm just curious, what is your take on the NIL and the transfer portal?
3: Well, let me attack the transfer portal first. You know, I think there's a place for the transfer portal. I think its tool is certainly beneficial for a kid who is not going to see playing time in the program that he's at. Uh, you know, this window of opportunity – As a college baseball player closes and gets shorter every day, so you know, with with myself and any other head coach around the country, at the end of the year, you have to have some real honest conversations with your players on your exit meetings. And number one, you have to you have to look at what's best for your program. And then number two, you've got to be honest and you've got to look that young man in the face and say, "Hey, do you really want to come back and do the same thing you, you did this year?" Because I don't see anything happening any different. Maybe it's because of what we've signed. Maybe it's because of what we returned. You know, this year we returned a lot of position players. So there wasn't really a lot of room. You know, it wasn't like we were a bad team last year. We were a pretty good team last year. So, you know, only common sense tells you that these guys are probably fixing to be running right back out there. So, you you know, uh, uh, 80, I'm saying 85 percent of those that get in the portal are ones that need to go to a different program because they can't either play, they don't have the talent, ability to play at that program they're at, and they need to transfer down to somewhere else, or they're just log jammed and there's no room for them to play, and they want to play, and their clock is ticking, and they got to get out of there. Now, the other 15% is unethical. And I hate that because that's what it's kind of come to. And then you start parlaying the NIL on top of that. Now the enticement to make a kid who might, you know, it might go from one coach at a school through the kid's advisor uh, to say, hey, you know, we want this kid, you know, this is what we could do. So, you know, don't be fooled that there's not dirty dealings going on out there. And it's not just in baseball. It's in football. It's in basketball. But – this is, this is what's been created to date. Uh, they better start getting a handle on it because it'll start really rippling out of control, I really feel like. But, you know, right now, it's something that we have to deal with. I have to deal with. I have to deal with the portal. I have to deal with NILs uh, where we're not just really big in NILs. And I, don't, I think those are uncharted waters right now. I think there's a lot of big schools out there that have the resources for it. The others uh, of us, we just, we don't, uh, you know, it is going to come in play, but we really don't know where that's going to go with the NIL as far as across the the college college athletics when it's all said and done.
2: Right. And some great questions there, some great discussion points there from Chris Cook. Uh, We appreciate it, Chris. So, Chuck, who's your next listener that sent in some questions?
1: All right, this is my last listener that sent in some questions, and it's uh, from Mr. Tyler Jackson. Um, he said, "Don't worry, Coach. He'll, he knows kids listen to this show." Um, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he has uh, four questions. Um, the first is, does the team have a favorite heckle or cheer? Like, do they enjoy the th- throw it in the dirt or the ball for, or just random yellings?
3: Yeah, I think they do. I think because it gets everybody excited. You know, the other night at the Boy Scouts um, event that I was at, you know, one of the Boy Scouts, their table, when I went to talk to them, I said, are y'all ready for some baseball? And the one kid said, yes, sir. I'm part of the Stomp the Foot gang. (laughs) And I said, all right. I said, well, good for you. We need that. And uh, you know, and then another one, I I said, what about, we got any throw it in the dirt guys here? And one of them said, "Oh, my dad's throwing the dirt guy," <laughs> and so, um, you know, so you know that's a part of who we are, as mm-hmm. part of our DNA now and our program, and I think our guys really embrace it and love it.
1: Awesome, awesome. His next question is, which one of your players, if you know, is the most superstitious?
3: Gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I'm sure that each one of them, if they're a baseball player, they have, they have some type of, some type of, uh, of superstition. You know that I mean that you just, as a young kid, you know you you started doing and and it's probably continued and continu- and still continues.
1: Was it uh, Todd McKinnis told us that whenever he go out to pitch, he would make Colin Cargill unwrap some bubblishes bubble gum and drop it in his mouth. <laughs>
3: That sounds like Todd and Colin. And
1: right? if Colin messed up, he had to start over.
3: That sounds just like those two. Right.
1: All right. Uh, Tyler also asked, um, "Do you have a favorite college park um, that you've ever been to?"
3: Well, I mean, I love Pete Taylor Park. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's a great venue. Uh, you know, I, I this may not be popular with uh, some of the, some of our <laughs> listeners, but. You know, I, I really like Ole mrs field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, the closeness, everything's on top of you, uh, and and they have a great atmosphere, just like like we do here. Uh, so, you know, those would probably be my two favorite parks awesome. to go to. A lot of a lot of the other parks that they're building nowadays, to me, are like AAA parks. They're just they're, mm-hmm. they've moved it away away from the field, and it just doesn't feel like a college college atmosphere and I, I feel like that our our two venues uh certainly produce that for for the fans and the players
1: okay that's a that's that's true i you know and that's that's part of my you know pete taylor park does do some expansion i hope we figure out a way to to keep it kind of tight and close and and where we the play you know where we can i feel like we're on the field with y'all sometimes when we're sitting up in the stands because we're that close Right, you
3: know, Tulane back in the day, that was a very intimidating field. So was the original Alex Box. I mean, they mm-hmm. were right on top of you. But now, where Tulane didn't expand it and push it away, they just took the the ability for fans to be down on the field level next to you heckling. Mm-hmm. They took that away from them, and you know. Which now, honestly, when you're at Tulane, you can't even hardly hear the crowd. Wow! Uh, when when, you, when you're in the dugout or anything, so I think they when they when they got rid of that that closeness as far as the fans on the field. And the same way at uh, at LSU, you know, it just it brought about a little different atmosphere mm-hmm. than what the old parks did. They're very nice
1: parks. Absolutely wrong. Yeah, you're right. But
3: but but it just took away that on top of you feel
1: okay well last uh my last question of the night and comes from Tyler is uh, can you walk us through that last inning versus l s u last year um what a huge play by Danny Lynch to start the inning because I feel like if that ball gets past Danny, then the whole inning goes differently.
3: Oh, one hundred percent you know you had the best player in college baseball, uh which will be this year, Dylan Cruz, mm-hmm. that just absolutely smoked that ball, but Danny being the great fielder that he is, and we've seen it time and time again, you know, he plays that thing off his left hip, catches it, throws him out, and really that was the most important out <laughs> of that whole game. I don't remember what happened in uh, – I, I think maybe maybe a, a fly ball was a second out.
1: Trey Morgan, I think, short... hit the Will McGillis at second. Okay. Yeah.
3: and then Oh, was it a ground ball Yeah, out? yeah,
1: it was a ground ball out to okay.
3: Will. Okay, okay. And then the last one, obviously, was Tyler Stewart striking out their shortstop to, uh, to preserve that, that regional championship for us. So, yeah, that was, a, that was a huge inning. Obviously, the inning before when we were able to get the sacrifice fly, Danny sacrifice fly, to, to go up one, that was, that was really big. But to have Tyler Stewart step up in that moment for that young man who, who's been such a big part of our program and now is a part of professional baseball, uh, you know, I couldn't have been more happy for him and, and his outing and what he did, and just to be to have that presence in that situation with that pressure uh, among a bunch of crowd that honestly it could have gone either way. But the the play of the game right there was was definitely Danny Lynch in that first one
1: hundred percent. And I feel like, and this is just me being a little partial, but I feel like the whole team probably deserved all tournament recognition because i think at some point everybody on the team had did something that was interesting you know whether it was danny Sackfly fly or catching that um ball at third or if it was tyler stewart throwing or you know uh, just a storm coming in the deck there was just so many players that stepped up during that tournament
3: you're exactly right. There there was a lot of people contributing.
1: Oh, sure. 100%. Well, that's uh, all the questions I have. Lane, you got any more?
2: Yeah, I got one more listener sent in some questions here. It's actually a co-worker of mine, a, fe- uh, a fellow high school coach. He's a high school baseball and football coach, Ian Sharp. He said he actually knows you, Coach. Oh, yeah, he does? He, yeah. uh, he-, he sent in two questions for you. Um, The first Jack? one – he asked and, and this one kind of it kind of piggybacks off of Chris Cook's question earlier about the NIL and transfer portal, but it might be a little bit different, a little different angle to look at the same question there. He said so uh, he said, I want to know what are the advantages and the disadvantages to coaching in a world where the NIL and transfer portal are, are obviously a thing now. And he said, especially as a school that may not have the NIL resources as some of the big competitors around
3: you, well, I don't know what the advantages and disadvantages are. You know, certainly it it brings a whole other variable into to recruiting and and what what you can or cannot do. You know, a wise man once told me you do the best with what you you do the best you can with what you got at that time. And uh, you know, we're well, we're not sitting here throwing out. Uh, uh, First of all, let me just say this with the NIL. No coach can be involved in the NIL per rules. Uh, and, and what I mean that is that's not a discussion. When you're recruiting somebody, you don't discuss that we have this NIL deal that we can give you this amount of money. They, you know, that's an outside agency that handles all that and everybody has got that, that collective that, that they call it. And so we, we're out of the equation with it. Can we say we do have NLI opportunities? Yes, we can say that. But as far as uh, anything else, you know, we're, we cannot be involved in it. So I think with time we're going to see what exactly happens with this, this NIL situation. I think that there's going to be some type of legislation that's going to be handed down from the NCAA. I think they just kind of threw their hands up to begin with and said, all right, we're tired of getting sued for players not making money. Y'all figure it out. But now we're seeing all this wild stuff that's going on, particularly in other sports, uh, uh, more, more revenue-sponsored uh, sports. And you're going to see people like Nick Saban that's going to be voicing his, his opinion about how this is getting out of hand. And uh, I think there will be some regulations that will come down from that. Uh, in the near future, it kind of has a wild, wild west feel to it right now. You know, well, you know, Lane, Lane Kiffin said they just legalized cheating. You know, I mean, he said that a few months ago, and he's right. I mean, you know, there's it doesn't take a genius to uh, to to figure out that you know there's ways around that people are going to utilize that who have the resources and who have the money, uh, who have the NIL programs and the big boosters. Uh, to entice kids and and to 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 get them to come. I right. mean, that's I mean, we we all know. We'll Try to what's go buy a on, championship,
2: so. basically. So that's right. And then uh, Ian's next question was, uh, he said, "So I've heard Dustin Dickerson's velocity has ticked up a lot. Do we can we expect to maybe see him on the mound a
3: little bit this year?" Well, I mean, I don't know where he got that. I hadn't seen it tick up. But, no, we are preparing Dustin to to pitch some, you know, especially with what we lost from last year. Obviously, we haven't used him uh, in his time that he's been here outside of the tournament over in in Ruston the one year. But, you know, a kid's got a really good arm. Obviously, when he was at West Jones for Coach Sutton, uh, he he played very big for them on the mound in, in that state championship. So, you know, Dustin's going to be 91-92 with a good slider, but we're going to have to use him carefully because he's our everyday shortstop as well. But, you know, certainly whenever we do uh, use him uh, on the mound, then we'll move Creek Robinson, who is a really good defender there to fill in at shortstop for for Dustin. So, but, yeah, as far as his velocity, I mean, Dustin's been a 92 guy since he was here, came to our program out of high school, and that's what he remains today.
2: I got you. And that's all the questions we had, I think, from all the listeners. Chuck, uh, are there any questions you have for Coach Barry before we go? Maybe one or two questions?
1: Oh, man, I could probably keep him here all night talking baseball. Um, no, we're just thankful for what you do for us, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, it's my pleasure.
3: Appreciate everything that you you guys are doing to bring Southern Miss athletics to 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 our fans and the insights of it so it sounds like you've had some good good people on and you got some scheduled in the Yes, future. sir. I
1: do for sure. I think
2: I got one question coach. Uh what can our fan base do or our listeners do anything other than obviously the the obvious buying tickets and stuff? What would you like to see atmosphere-wise at Pete Taylor Park? Anything different than what we already are doing?
3: Just you know those moments where we need that excitement, we need that home field advantage. You know, I would just really like people to get engaged and, and create that. You know, um, and and it that's that's what creates that home field advantage. I had a guy tell me one time. He said, uh, he said, you know that stomping, it it hurts my ears, <laughs> and I said, well, I understand that, but that's we're trying to create that, that home field advantage. He said, yeah, but it's annoying. And I said, well, let me tell you something. Have you ever been to Alex Box down at LSU when there's 10,000 people yelling? I said, it gets pretty annoying there, and it's pretty intimidating. Right. From, uh, that's called home field advantage. I said, you know, that's what we're trying to build here. So I think with the new video board guys that we implemented in the program last April, you know, we just we didn't have much time to to really figure out what all we could do with it. Our marketing people, our GAs, did an outstanding job in such a short course to make that uh, a fan friendly and a big part of the fan experience. But I think with its ability to create and 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 really uh, move people in a direction that that provide that energy that that we need not only from from that home field advantage, but that we need to to pull out a, a, a come-from-behind win. You know, we talk about Pete Taylor magic all the mm-hmm. time. Well, certainly we have an opportunity right now to use something that, that we've never had the, the opportunity to use before, and that's that video board. And we just need our fans to get on board with it.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Coach, I definitely appreciate your time. It's very valuable time, and we uh, we appreciate you spending it with us.
3: Oh, no problem. I appreciate y'all having Can't me Can't wait on. to
2: see you at the Pete.
1: That's right. Just just next week. Yeah, If you haven't got your season tickets, I think they may have two or three left. Y'all call over there and get them. Uh, but thanks, uh, Coach Barry. Thanks, Lane. Thanks, Pete, for making us sound and look good. And until we catch y'all next time, Southern Miss, to, to the, the top. top.
0: Thank you for checking out the Everyday Eagles podcast, the podcast for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Be sure to subscribe and follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And don't forget to leave us a rating and share this podcast with a fellow Golden Eagle. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Everyday Eagles Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Everyday underscore Eagles. To learn more about the podcast or to inquire about being a guest on the show, visit our website at edepodcast.com. Thanks again for joining us today. We will catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles Podcast. And as always, Southern Miss to the top.